0: Hello, and welcome to the Embodying Change podcast. My name is Melissa Pitati, and this podcast is part of the CHS Alliance initiative to change our experience of power, culture, and well being in aid organizations in order to better meet the core humanitarian standard. Today, you'll hear a conversation with Oge Chukudozi. leads a groundbreaking project for the resource and support hub supporting NGOs in Nigeria to change their organizational cultures. Her project came about after it became quite clear that all the efforts underway to create and roll out written policies related to safeguarding were not necessarily translating into practice. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did.
1: I'd like to welcome to the podcast Oge Welcome. Thank you very
2: much, Melissa. I'm
1: happy to be here in the podcast. Brilliant. Uh, I met you recently um, in uh, a larger conversation that was happening between CHS Alliance and Resource Support Hub, and every time you spoke, I was writing notes and thinking (laughs) we've got to get Oge on to the podcast. Um, do you mind just to share with our listeners a short introduction? Uh, what would you like people to know about you?
2: All right. Um, hello, listeners. My name is Oge Chukudozie. I've been in the aid sector for about 18 years now. I actually started like, right after my, uh, my university degree, you know, right, as a young graduate, came out and started volunteering in, in the sector, so and I've worked in both um, development and emergency response. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I started off uh, in child protection as mm-hmm. my major background,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, but I've had experiences in other thematic areas, and currently um, I'm in safeguarding mm-hmm. um, space, and I work as the national representative for Safeguarding Resource and Support Hub, mm-hmm. RSH Nigerian Hub. Mm. So that's me, yeah.
1: Excellent. Uh, When I got to know about your work, it seems very clear you're working on organizational culture. Could you say a little bit why you're interested in that issue? Yes, um,
2: Melissa, you know, um, for me, I've worked in different organizations in in my career years. Mm -hmm. And um, I've seen... Good managers, not so good, good, you know, culture, not so good. Um, but I believe that everyone needs a safe space mm-hmm. to flourish. Mm. I believe that, you know, a space that is cooperative mm-hmm. and supportive, you know, that uh, is free from marginalization, discrimination, mm. Um, in all entirety, be it, you know, gender discrimination, be it of a minority group discrimination, be it, like mm. in Nigeria, even a religious discrimination mm. or religious, uh, you know, discrimination based on ability and disability, whatever it is, you mm. know, I believe such space, it's not uh, good. I will not afford um, the staff working in the organization a good space to actually, you know, be the best that they can be. So I believe that, you know, it's important to have Mm -hmm. this space that supports um, the staff Mm -hmm. to actually be the best they can be.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, And and when an organization has a positive culture, Mm -hmm. you know, it actually has great benefits. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes organizations will feel... Um, or, oh, you know, if um, if I'm weak, you know, by, or like even having a positive culture, sometimes you know, people here, you know, in, in, in this part of the world, they think that being nice mm-hmm. means being weak. Mm. Yes, you know, so some leaders will feel, no, I have to, to match up, I have to, you know, really be strict and firm and, you know, not allow for any... Um, loopholes believing that when there is a little a little bit of friendliness then that uh, means that people are not serious Mm -hmm. you know so um that's that's sometimes the perception that you know people have so um so sometimes you see that maybe they feel that the organization that is friendly and people you know like joke and laugh you know means that they are not uh, producing and then thereby they want to make sure that everything is like you know, prime and proper and mm-hmm. firm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it, it's not always that. Mm-hmm. When people are tense, mm-hmm. when people feel that, you know, this work environment is not supportive, when it's a toxic work environment, mm-hmm. you see that people will not be able to give in their best. People will mm-hmm. not be, at, you know, be able to, to produce. I mm-hmm. think, you know, it's gone to show, we had um, a peer workshop, um sometimes a couple of months ago with some of organizations that are participating in this organizational culture mm-hmm. and um, you know they were sharing experiences of of the past places they've worked mm-hmm. and even sometimes you know like even the current, mm-hmm. and you know they are sharing how you know working in this toxic environment mm-hmm. um, you are coming to work you're already like tired you are not mm-hmm. happy mm-hmm. it helps you of all the energy Mm. You know, so um, in that instance, the person will not be able to really produce, will not be very productive mm-hmm. in, in the work. Mm-hmm. And so that is actually what interests me in organizational culture, to really support organizations mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. have this safe space. You mm-hmm. know, let like this organization, not really having a safe space. Sometimes when you say safe space, people... Um, interpret it as like a physical space. Yes, it can be a physical space, mm-hmm. you know, if you're talking about maybe women issues or it can be a physical space. But again, also the organization, you know, mm-hmm. like that building, the organizational office can be a safe space in all entirety where mm-hmm. people come in okay. and feel happy mm-hmm. and feel motivated, you know, to put in their best in the work they are doing. Mm. So that's actually, you know, my interest because again, um, when when um, this organization, when, when you know, it's a safe space for people, both mm-hmm. even in the organization office as it is, or even mm-hmm. when out in the field, like for NGOs, we usually like go out in the fields to, you know, it's still a safe space. I mean, in that workspace, in in the course of you doing your work, mm-hmm. you know, that you feel you're safe. You are, it's a safe space. You feel motivated to do mm-hmm. it to do um, whatever it is that you need to do. That actually even helps. It provides better platform mm-hmm. for organizations to actually achieve their goal You know, when staff are motivated. So that's actually my interest in going into organizational culture.
1: I really like that when you paint a picture of someone w- walking to work, are they feeling tense? maybe because they're scared, are they feeling tired, maybe because they're sad, This <laughs> is not a good place to work, are they feeling energized because they're happy, they're looking forward mm-hmm. to the work, are they bringing them, are they coming into a place that's safe where there's high trust? Mm-hmm. And I suppose that's really important in the work you're doing on safeguarding for people to be feeling comfortable To point out when there is misconduct, they feel they speak up, that they won't be punished, but they'll actually be appreciated. I I imagine that requires a safe space.
2: Exactly. Um, Because yes, if um, a person feels that when they report, they wouldn't be protected even as a whistleblower, or when they report, um, the case wouldn't be handled because the perpetrator or the alleged perpetrator is a good friend to the leader. <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> yes. So and so so if they know that oh no because there is a kind of discrimination you know mm-hmm. some are favoured mm-hmm. we, we have sacred cows then you know people mm-hmm. wouldn't be motivated um, to to report people wouldn't be um, you know uh, happy to do what. They they should do the right thing to do uh, when there is that discrimination. So yes, and again, um, that toxic work environment, you know, saps energy. You know, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, saps energy from 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 the staff. So that that marginalisation, discrimination, stigmatisation, it's not um, good. Uh, Yeah, um, yeah, in all entirety.
1: I'm wondering if you could tell our listeners about this really interesting project that you're doing um, to support organizations on their culture.
2: Yes, um, we actually started this journey uh, because, okay, for RSH, mm-hmm. um, our, our major um, goal is actually support um, small organizations, you know, local, national organizations in the countries where we work Mm-hmm. To, to support these organizations to improve their safeguarding systems and practice. Mm-hmm. And then we had the first round of um, a mentorship program, a mm-hmm. mentorship program where we support organizations to, to strengthen uh, their system. So we have mentors assigned to them, you know, consultants who work with them um, to develop policies, to you know, train their staff. You know, so first, like they do capacity assessments and then they, um, they, they, they move on to identify priority areas they want to work on, mm-hmm. and, and these mentors you know, journey with them for, for a six months period. Mm-hmm. So, but after um, that mentorship program, we actually noticed that a lot of efforts is put in, you know, in the formal systems, which is good. You know, it's, the, it's the first step. Um having policies, for example, having you know code of conduct, having um uh, staff trained, setting up complaints mechanism mm-hmm. and and that, but then sometimes you want to find out are the complaints mechanism really used, you know, just like we are talking now, are they mm-hmm. really used mm-hmm. um what can be some of the hindrances why they are not used mm-hmm. Yes, the the organization, you know, um, have put in their policy that yes, this is a zero um, has zero tolerance to to safeguarding mm-hmm. you know, issues. But is it really what is happening on ground? Um, so, um, for, so for for us, and even as part of the discussion with mentors, you mm-hmm. know, we also we see that sometimes what is written on paper mm-hmm. does not really translate to what actually happens. And mm-hmm. um, like one of our mentors was sharing experience, you know, it's even like outside of, of safeguarding, but because of his experience and working, um, you know, on safeguarding, mm-hmm. now understands that, you know, even taking personal time off, mm-hmm. leave, um, to go and catch up and come back is his right. And because he's there in, in the human resource policy mm-hmm. that staff should take leave. Mm-hmm. But he never none of the organ- none of the staff ever gets to go and leave mm. so they started raising these concerns with the mm-hmm. management so in one of the monthly meetings we had he started you know raising this that look um because safeguarding has given him that understanding that that's um understanding on his rights and what is right and what is not right mm-hmm. and even his confidence level is being improved to be able to speak up. Mm. You know, so he's now um you know with other stuff speaking up about this. Mm. Why are they not allowed to go and leave? You know, every time somebody puts on a leave request Mm-hmm. You know it's either, oh no, there's a lot of work to be done. you need to finish up this report. you need to start up this proposal, you need to implement mm-hmm. you know that of course, and here he was um implementing an emergency project, and mm-hmm. you know like it's how how um time consuming emergency yes. response is. so there yeah. will never be a time that there is nothing to do mm-hmm. you know, so they're year in year out, they are not able to go and leave. so but with this. Um, Consciousness is now Mm -hmm. beginning to request for that. So that's now brought me, and I I, like, oh, you know, this is actually a great point because if, as a staff, you are not um, happy, you are not motivated, you are Mm -hmm. not allowed to speak up, how now then do you promote um, the program participants, the community, you know, to to speak up? We always promote participation, right, Mm -hmm. in this work. We always want the community members to be part of the process, you mm-hmm. know, to be able to speak up on issues that concern mm-hmm. them. So if as a staff you're not able to speak up, then how how can you, <laughs> you know, now you know encourage community members to speak? You know, it doesn't really um fall through. Mm-hmm. So with that, you know, we now started seeing look, it's not just about having it on paper. Mm-hmm. Having it on paper is a first step. But mm-hmm. sometimes you might have it on paper, but it is not been done, mm-hmm. you know. So um, that's what made us to, to start thinking about this. Mm-hmm. So we have like these four quadrant things that mm-hmm. we call it the culture framework. Mm-hmm. Um, you know where you have um, the formal, non formal up up, formal uh, down, non formal, and mm-hmm. then the right side you mm-hmm. have um, you have the the, the, the policies. The resources, mm-hmm. and then um, the left side, you have this non-formal aspect, social norms. Mm. Social norms, you of the organization. So mm-hmm. uh, most times the organizations focus on the rights mm-hmm. with policies and the resources they have, you know, but not looking really inwardly around mm-hmm. the social norms of that organization, which is the culture. You know, there's someone that defined culture as, as what makes you you, mm-hmm. you know, what is it that you do, even when somebody's not looking, you know, the way of life of, of the people, you know, that's the culture. So in that organization, how are really are things really done? Um, so that's what we start to now help them to reflect, to help them to reflect on the informal mm-hmm. and social norms segments of the organizations. Um you know, because you know, sometimes these non-formal, uh, non-verbal, non-written parts has direct influence on what is written. You know, like How do you explain an organization where transparency is a core value, it's written there in their values, but yet nobody sees the budget, not even the program manager, it's only the um, executive director. This is especially for local organizations who are actually RSH key targets. Mm. So in these small organizations, because of that power dynamics, because safeguarding again, it's about power, because Mm -hmm. of that power dynamics, Mm -hmm. the the leadership, the executive director in this instance, don't want to relegate that power, don't want Mm -hmm. to relinquish it, you know, Mm -hmm. so he's holding on to the proposal, holding on to the budget, Mm -hmm. No other person will see it, he or she just tells you what to do, and then you just implement blindly. Meanwhile, transparency is their core value. <laughs> how do you explain that? <laughs> you know, how, how, how do you explain a situation where performance um appraiser period is like you know um, a witch hunt thing? I'll get you. I've I've seen organizations where the the, the supervisor will say, look you are behaving like this. I'll get you during the performance appraisal period. It's coming Mm. up in two months. I'll get you, you know? So it it sounds like it's now more of a way to penalize Mm -hmm. rather than being a discussion uh, period that allows the two to understand the challenges and the strengths and how to improve on, Mm. you know? So again, um, you know, you see people who are rude Mm -hmm. to minority, Mm. You know, and then like for a country like Nigeria, the the rate of unemployment is is quite high. Mm. And then you see a manager, you know, tell, you know, someone with disability or any minority, look, if you are not okay. Or even anybody, you know, like lays a complaint about maybe the working hours, Mm -hmm. some organizations, you don't leave. Even when the closing time says 5 p.m., for example, yeah. you don't leave if your manager <sighs> is still sitting on his or her desk. Right. You have to how wait. dare you leave? Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes, they don't leave. So even if the manager wants to work late till 7 p.m., mm. you've got to start there mm. with your manager. Mm-hmm. So how do you explain all this? Mm-hmm. You know, so... um people are, 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 and then when you talk they say look you can you can leave leave the organization <laughs> there are thousands of people who are looking for jobs yeah so you can even be grateful that you have yes. a job
1: yes you, know, you so should that, be so uh, lucky
2: <laughs> yes so we are doing you a favor <laughs> <laughs> you know so how do you explain all these things and um That's why we are trying to help organizations, the participating organizations we are working with, to really reflect on those internal and informal social norms aspects of Mm -hmm. the organization.
1: I mean, you mentioned power. This word comes up a Mm -hmm. lot on the culture discussion. Um, If the power disparity, for example, you just mentioned uh, normally a supervisor has more power than the person that they supervise. Mm-hmm. Normally, that's the case. But there, is a, there can be something called a dependency. So yes, I am the boss, but I depend on this person because I really value their contribution and I need them to be here. So um, the power disparity is not so drastic, but it sounds like, for example, in this scenario, fine, leave, we, there's a thousand people behind you. I don't depend mm-hmm. on you. You're expendable. I can find a new person. There's no there's no consequence for my behavior. And how would you address that though? Because I think once people talk about that, the options can become quite difficult, no? If you're operating in a context where um, people are really, they really need this job to pay their bills and feed their family.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that is why, you know, first um, for safeguarding Mm -hmm. and then for cultural work, Mm -hmm. it really starts from the top. Mm -hmm. The leadership, the executive director, the country director, the senior management team, Mm -hmm. you know, needs to really understand these issues. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: You know, lots of organizations, you know, are rolling out like unconscious bias, Mm -hmm. um, training and sensitization for staff. It's also Mm -hmm. part of what's We're also looking that this our participating organizations have asked us to. So they need to understand those biases. They need to, um, the leadership needs to really walk the talk, especially Mm -hmm. for the aid sector, which Mm -hmm. is a sector that really sets out to support the vulnerable. Mm -hmm. How then can you be seen to be marginalizing your own staff, who, you know, are supposed to not go out and support the others. So mm-hmm. it's important that, you know, that leadership commitment is there. Mm-hmm. It's important that they understand um, this. I think, again, you know, really that understanding, really that awareness is mm-hmm. important. You know, like I would yes. mentioned, yes, um, yes. people feel that, you know, um, when you are nice, mm-hmm. you are weak, you're a weak leader. Mm-hmm. So you don't, you have to... Um, show that, that um, influence and that that uh, power, you know, mm-hmm. so that, you know, people will know that, yes, indeed, you are the organ, like we say here, you know, like that you're the boss. You need to show that, that superiority
0: mm-hmm. for you
2: to be respected. Mm-hmm. But when they, un- so when they understand that and then see that, look, understand the values that each person brings in, Mm-hmm. You know, understand that yes, we are all you need to harness um the team, the team strengths. Mm-hmm. You know, there is no one person in a team there. It's all about so harnessing that the team strengths mm-hmm. will work. So these are the things that I feel, you know, um the leadership needs to be aware. It really comes from the leader. They need to really um walk the talk. You know, when it comes to safeguarding, when it mm-hmm. comes to promoting the of the culture that will suit mm-hmm. them, and then because you know, let them you know, it's also important for them to understand. Yes, it's easy to say you can go and get another job, mm-hmm. and then people will eventually leave. Mm-hmm. So where will it get them? that, you know, you are you constantly you are changing staff, you are changing <laughs> strategy, you are changing. Eventually, in the long run,
1: it's not to your benefit. Right, absolutely. It's so funny the story that you gave um, earlier um, a person who realized you know what i'm entitled to take leave but mm-hmm. i'm always being asked to write a, a report or do a proposal it's interesting those two things are quite linked to um, systemic problems we have in the aid sector where mm-hmm. we are relying on voluntary contributions in a competitive environment so this leader this leader who's setting the tone and and walking the talk is probably thinking about how will I pay these salaries? Um, Mm -hmm. I need to, I need to uh, get more proposals in, fill out my donor reports. I have all this compliance I have to do. And so we've seen from our interviews of leaders, there is a huge pressure on um, competition for funding. There's a huge pressure on complying with different compliance requirements that can be quite complex. And then on top of that, we're operating in very difficult circumstances with histories of trauma and structural injustices. And then we're attracting people into our space who want to make the world a better place. So they (laughs) often they have their own reasons for that. (laughs) So what advice do you have for some of the leaders that you're working with on how to do the right thing and live the values knowing that they are under huge pressure themselves? Like you said, to be strong. Yeah, um,
2: indeed, like the aid sector, um, lots of people are, are, are raising concerns mm-hmm. You know about um, burnout. Burnout mm-hmm. is real mm-hmm. you know in this sector. Um, mental health issues are real, you know. So for for leaders, it's really to um balance it out, you know. Um, so basically, it, you want to ensure that your staff is okay, um, you know, that their mental health issues are are are, are good in in good uh, mental health, mm-hmm. and then that they are you know. But now they are not burning out because of of um, lots of workload in the organization. Mm-hmm. So having that that balance, mm-hmm. um, you know, also like building and enhancing capacity mm-hmm. will also go a long way, you know, in supporting this. So that when somebody not 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 all the staff or all the top leadership in the organization will go to live at the same time,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
2: let there be a kind of plan. Mm-hmm. Um, leave planner you Mm -hmm. know some of these basics will help Mm -hmm. because um, once you continue to to force someone to deliver to deliver at a point you know they will not be able to continue so it's better it's harnessed and then when that person leaves you still find yourself at that point where you don't want to be Mm -hmm. you know so it's better you you support um the stars that are there to 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 um to 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 have the, the necessary support they, they need rather than you know pushing them and at the end, you know, you're losing them because they've left the organization or they're too ill to continue, mm-hmm. you know, which is what you are preventing because you want to always you know, be competitive and write proposals and, and, and
1: all. Can you say more about this work you're doing with the specific organizations? Um, how many are there? What is the, the program? I understand there might be some learning or research associated to it. Could you just kind of outline a little more in detail um, this, this uh, really exciting initiative?
2: Yeah, so um, we have 10 organizations um, that are part of this um, um, mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still like, we are, this is our first time of unit. So it's a pilot really, and it's a six months period. Mm-hmm. Um, where we we support them, so for these ten organizations, and all ten are uh, local Nigerian organizations mm-hmm. um, who have participated in our mentorship program that I mentioned earlier. So we wanted people who already have, or organizations who already have like those policies and documents so that they don't use this period to start developing those and losing out on the focus of the project. Mm -hmm. So um, for for this first, they they assess themselves. We have this measuring tool that Mm -hmm. our male team put together Mm -hmm. um, to help them assess um, against four pillars of safeguarding culture. Mm-hmm. As we defined it, you know, having the organizational values and, and that values like mainly to, to assess how the values promote diversity, equity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. And so that's the first pillar. The second pillar is about leadership and behaviors, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, really assessing how the leaders of the organization model their behavior to promote openness, honesty, culture of learning. Mm-hmm. Because if the leaders are not promoting this, then you know it wouldn't be possible that the other staff will, will follow suit. Mm-hmm. And then um, the third pillar is organizational behavior, mm-hmm. where now all staff you know, like are confident to mm-hmm. challenge mm-hmm. Um, inequalities, power imbalances, you know, um, and, and report safeguarding violations. Mm. So that's the the, the 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 third. And then you know this ultimately leads to staff you know, as change agents. So they, they have this monitoring tool that they use to rank themselves, mm-hmm. to assess themselves on, you know, whether they want to improve on this area or not, you know, um, or on another area. So they assess that. And then um, they work with RSH mentors who support them to to have this assessment and then mm-hmm. to develop a vision for change mm-hmm. um, you know so having that vision so what do you see so they picture like the organization what they want to see with
0: mm-hmm. the support
2: of these mentors what do they want to see what's the vision for change and then prioritize areas of change they want to work on so what mm-hmm. will now help them to achieve this vision they have mm-hmm. And then they now work, you know, to, to implement, and, and again, um, apart from the individual work they do with the mentors, we also like integrate um, peer uh, peer workshops, mm-hmm. so that you know all the ten organisations will come together, face to face or virtually. But mm-hmm. we, we've done face to face the first one, mm-hmm. to just you know like share learnings on what they are doing, on the challenges they are having. Mm-hmm. Um, and how they are progressing. And because this is also like this is a pilot. So um, we also have um, key area to document lessons. Mm-hmm. So that's part of you know, what we want to achieve. So we want to um, be able to document lessons. What helped the leaders of this organization to have any change they want? So what mm-hmm. are like some of the key things that help them? To, mm-hmm. to achieve the change, so that at the end, you know, there will be um, a, a, a document mm-hmm. that will help support. There will be a, a little kind of um, assessment, evaluation from the mail. But with the documents, because we also encourage them to keep um, a reflection journal mm-hmm. on, on the steps, and what they are doing and what they are learning, mm-hmm. uh, any surprises. Mm-hmm. Um, as they go through the journey, and then with that, you know, it will be documented and will be shared as a learning document um, for for this um, culture project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's basically um, what we are doing. Um, so we've done the first peer workshop mm-hmm. um, in June, and, and we're planning the next one. So it's like it's a two monthly uh, meeting where they come together mm-hmm. and and discuss this. For a period of six months. So uh, yeah,
1: that's um, and so what has have is has anything surprised you so far? Indeed. <laughs> uh, you know, um, one key thing
2: that you know came out to to us is that it's actually difficult to work on this non-tangible because when you're talking about the social norms, the informal, it's actually non-tangible. Yeah. It's like the soft side. Mm-hmm. unlike policies and you know um code of conduct reporting mechanisms that you know is tangible you can yes i've set up reporting mechanisms mm-hmm. you know but how do you ensure when you say that the organization is safe mm-hmm. how do you work on, on having that safe you know like so it's really something that um we've we've identified that look it's actually um, not as easy as we are thinking, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult, really, um, getting the organizations to reflect and think of some of these um, non non tangible aspects. Mm-hmm. And, and again, you know, the 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 necessity of having the um, leadership commitments, mm-hmm. you know, cannot be overemphasized. Right. Because yes, it, leadership commitments, you know, to change. Yes. In some instances, the leaders, you know, some of the organizations are telling us, look, you know, the leaders feel that whatever they are doing is uh-huh. actually, you know, okay. Uh huh. You know, so um, and, and some leaders feel that no, everything is fine in my mm-hmm. organization. Yes. You know, some executive directors and coordinators and they feel that no, everything is fine. Mm-hmm. So um, we are the the mentors are even working on having an anonymous survey. Mm-hmm. Um, you know where the staff will will be able to like you know um, fill out a, a Google form mm-hmm. anonymously, and this will be analyzed and shared back. you know by the mentors to the organization leader so that they see themselves. But even that again, sometimes you even see that people because again they they, they fear the issue of um, trust. Mm-hmm. you know you mentioned trust yes. sometimes they don't you know if they trust is not there they might even feel that oh the mentors might eventually like um you know reveal who feeled what you know mm-hmm. or or the organization leader mm-hmm. will be um you know find a way of penalizing all the staff you know yes. for saying something um mm-hmm. not so good about mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. you know so but really the, the leadership needs to um, have that commitment to change and be honest mm-hmm. in, in, in the journey of, of change.
1: I've seen so many cases where uh, people in leadership roles are presented with anonymous results of surveys and they don't believe it. <laughs> this is not my experience. No one is telling me these things. No, I don't see this. And I think yeah. part of that is a result of being in a high status p- position, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes it's also maybe um, if there is like a middle kind of uh, middle managers, mm-hmm. you know, so and, and then the top executive is like highly distanced from, mm-hmm. from the staff. Mm-hmm. You know, made so made, Say for example, an organization that is big has like head office somewhere and mm-hmm. field offices, and and then you have middle managers. So the top leadership is really far removed, mm-hmm. and you know don't don't you know understand what is happening. It's only what the the feedback they get from the middle managers that they tend to um, you know believe. So mm-hmm. that way they don't even it, it might call, it it come as a surprise that you know is this really what is happening you know mm-hmm. but I've, I've I've worked in an organization where um, the leadership was really committed mm-hmm. to hear the voices of staff mm-hmm. and what's um, what, what they, they they did then was to encourage each state you know like in Nigeria you know each um field office to have what is called a staff voices forum mm-hmm. and you know with a representative so, staff can discuss, share, you know, issues with the representative who now brings it to the SMT meeting. Ah. You know, so, um, so that way, there yeah, is this feedback, you know, from the, the lower staff and others, you know, to the top management. But yes, yes, yeah, sometimes they might be like, like, no, this is not. But again, um accepting such because I mean, why would anybody want to forge a- a anything so accepting mm-hmm. um whatever reports you know mm-hmm. that comes in um as true and not really working to see why are staff responding in this way, okay, so like even if this is correct, okay, mm-hmm. so they are they are they are not happy about this that that why mm-hmm. is it so?
0: Yes.
2: So that's the, the question that, you know, the leader is supposed to ask in that instance and not really to to reject it and say, no, this is not, how, what is it? So why is, why are staff, I didn't know that this is how staff feel about this. So, but why? And then that can now, so when staff now see that genuine concern mm-hmm. and not, you know, in a place of defense, mm-hmm. but that genuine, that the lead, this person really wants to know what the issues are and mm-hmm. it's really committed. Even though, yes, there might not be a magic wand to change everything, mm-hmm. but that you know the leadership will co- commit that. Yes, we want to like even start the process. We want to see how it is. We want to you know support staff mm-hmm. in 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 different ways. And you know um, that should be the mindset. That should mm-hmm. be the approach so that mm. you know staff will then be more confident and more open. Mm -hmm. You know, let the open door policy not be just like, you know, their open door policy, but really having people um, to come in. You know, I was telling them that, look, until the least placed staff in your organization Mm -hmm. is able to come up, Mm -hmm. you know, to the topmost person in the organization and air his or her issues and grievances, Mm -hmm. the culture is still not right. There's still Mm -hmm. something, Mm -hmm. you know so so that that needs because you know most times the junior workers are not able to meet the top management to you know mm-hmm. so once there is that ability for mm-hmm. the least placed staff to be mm-hmm. able to move up to the highest place staff mm-hmm. and share concerns mm-hmm. you know yeah, there are still issues uh, there are sometimes again i've I've worked in organizations where you know um it's still again about issue of power where yes. the, the the line managers of, you know, like this team, for example, mm-hmm. you know, will never allow their team members to talk to anybody mm-hmm. outside themselves as the yeah. team leader. Yeah. So if you have any concerns, you have anything, mm-hmm. no, you it must come to me.
1: Yeah, what if you're the friend of the person? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. It's a control issue, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I was thinking about um what you said earlier about this idea you can't be nice and be respected. Um you need to have an air of strength. And then it's hard to even talk about this softer, some say it's softer piece. Do you think there's a, a an element needed, especially working with leaders, um there's a person who wrote a book, I think her name is Joanna Breitbinger, said the inner work for the new work. It's You need to have inner work on yourself as a person to be willing to be vulnerable, Mm. to be willing to say, I want to approach this complaint not with uh, immediate instinctual defense mechanism, but a, a quality of curiosity. I'm really, okay, there's an issue coming up. I'm really curious where this comes from. And I'm confident that if I address this, it's not going to hurt me or the organization, but make us stronger because we want to be a learning culture where we um, take things that are problems and we address them instead of hide them. Do you think that is something could be useful to sit with leaders of organization and support them in addressing some of the internal barriers they might have?
2: Indeed, indeed, Melissa, really. Um... Essential the quote you mentioned, yes, you know leaders you know need to see themselves from also that level of vulnerability you know mm-hmm. there is a course i I did on leadership, mm-hmm. humanitarian leadership, and you know who were exposed to um first even um you know self accept yourself
1: mm-hmm.
2: be self aware mm-hmm. of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, be human, you know, as a leader, you are still human. You mm-hmm. are not like a robot or mm-hmm. you know, you know it all. Mm-hmm. You know, you might still you are still uh, vulnerable, you are still able to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, so if leaders are able to understand that, mm-hmm. you know, th- that that indeed will help. So, yes, um training because sometimes you know some leaders you know there is not even a form of training they're just like you know rise through but Mm -hmm. having um such training and awareness for them Mm -hmm. to be able to understand in fact now you are even giving me ideas you know to be able to understand and appreciate that it's not just about um about coming up with that aura of of Mm -hmm. um a, a, a magic you know that that knows it all and uh, <laughs> yeah. yes you know without mistakes but coming from again that place of empathy mm-hmm. coming again from that place of you know like you mentioned curiosity mm-hmm. you know what is what how can i help you how can we work on this
1: together you know that's
2: mm-hmm. um yeah will will really help
1: mm. yes and know. i think it can also give a better understanding you said from the outset we are working with crisis affected communities that we want to give us feedback we want mm-hmm. to raise mm-hmm. complaint mm-hmm. if there's a problem if we can start inside ourselves and wreck like be aware of our own triggers if someone complains to me and mm-hmm. um, does my reaction depend on where they stand in the power structure if someone is And you're talking about the most marginalized, which is something we talk about in the core humanitarian standard, is you need to have an an awareness of social marginalization that might be um, blocking people from Mm -hmm. uh, giving appropriate feedback or complaints. So I think it could be interesting to do a process work internally within yourself and then within your team and within your organization, and then within the sector as a whole, I think there's some lessons that ca- carry across. Um, if I'm not able to receive this complaint from this person at this food distribution point, mm-hmm. maybe I'm also not able to receive this complaint mm-hmm. from my colleague who mm-hmm. is offended about how I just handled the situation. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's some common reasons why. Maybe we can work on those yeah. together and realize that it's it's something ingrained like I think you said human nature I'm not sure Uh, there's certain things that happen just because we're human Mm. Um, but if we can have even that awareness and then have space to build skills and practice having hard conversations and practice receiving criticism uh, maybe it's like a muscle that we can build
2: yeah I agree
1: I'm so happy to learn about your work and to hear more about it, and I hope we can stay connected because I think uh, what we're trying to do at CHS Alliance on supporting organizations to address power dynamics and shift culture, Mm -hmm. I think we have a lot to learn from what you're doing with your group there. I wanted to give you a little shout out, I was just talking with a CHS Alliance member named Jiraidu, the Jiraidu Foundation. Um, Kingsley Oak uh-huh. Poppy and Samuel Manu, they worked with you uh, in, a, in a previous capacity. I'm not sure if they're yes. working now or before, but uh, I just want to shout out to them because they know you and your work. <laughs> yes, I know
2: um, I know Josephine Habba, the National Coordinator for Jiraidu Foundation. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've known her for so many years. Mm. And then also the program manager, Kingsley, or mm-hmm. Barbie, yes. yeah, whom I met in Medugri uh, in my last capacity where you know, I also went to support them um, in capacity assessment of the organization. And they also benefited, they were part of the first round of uh, mentorship program we had ah. in Nigeria. Yes.
1: Wonderful. So it's a small world. Yes, indeed. <laughs> glance, oh. glance, glance, OK, glance. if people if people want to know more, especially you gave um, a reference to this really interesting four quadrant piece uh, framework that you have, if they want to know more about you, about RSH, about your work, about these frameworks, um, do you have any recommendations where people can go to learn more? Yes, um, they can go to
2: RSH websites. Mm-hmm. Safeguarding Support
1: Hub.org.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then for the Nigerian specific one, mm-hmm. um, Nigeria. Dot safeguarding Support
1: Hub.org. Great. We'll put these in the show notes. Well, we've reached the end of the hour, and I am so grateful to you, Oge, for your work and your time to talk with us. Um, any final words you'd like to share before we close?
2: Yes, just to, to, you know, let all of us know in the aid sector that indeed, you know, we need to ensure that our workspaces are safe. Mm -hmm. You know, because a safe environment supports productive work, supports and improves efficiency from Mm -hmm. staff, and then ultimately uh, to help the organization to achieve their goals. So let's not think that... um, uh, as a leader, being weak, being, mm-hmm. being being nice is weak. No, but rather, you know, we need to all work together to ensure that our spaces are safe and inclusive.
1: Well said. Thank you, Oge. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to Melissa Pitati in conversation with Oge Chukudotsi. I want to thank her for sharing her time and insights, and I can't wait to see how the project in Nigeria unfolds. A big thanks as well to our editor, Ziada Abayid, to the CHS Alliance members, and all the supporters of this initiative. We will soon be back with another episode exploring embodying change. Till then, take care and be compassionate with yourself.